Americans, platform workers. We appreciate your ministry this evening. Let's open our Bibles to the book of First Kings. First Kings chapter three, verses twenty-seven and twenty-eight is where we're gonna be at tonight. First Kings chapter three, verses twenty-seven. Uh, through 28 tonight. We thank you for your faithfulness again. Um, one more time that um, that God is um, doing something through us. Uh, and that's and it's really because you're willing to contend um, for this. You know, I've been um, ministering now um, 10 years, a decade of ministry. And throughout the years, I've, I've had to make up my mind on certain things. I've had to come to truths. Um, I came in with a certain mentality, uh, things that were passed down or even things that I've learned or even things that I believed it was going to be that way. Uh, and one of those things is that in my ministry, I've learned I've, I have to contend. I must contend for the supernatural. That there, there's not enough in me. There's not enough in people to produce a functional ministry that will continue um, to grow beyond what we can do. I, I read a quote today that says a, um, a talented man can build a crowd, but only the Holy Spirit can build a church. So things that go beyond just numbers, metrics, um, beyond just well, the things that we can see. Today, I want to kind of aim at that. I want, I want us to have this this mentality in every ministry as it trickles down from the head all the way to local ministries and, um, and just different ministries throughout the church that regardless of what it stands for, we need the supernatural somehow. Um, not only in the practical side of things, but in our evangelism, in, um, in our concert scenes and all these different things, we need the supernatural. First Kings chapter three is where we're going to be. There. Be at. cancer is one of the most debilitating diseases of our day. It's always been. You, you know what cancer is? Is cells that don't want to go with the program. There are deviant cells that have their own agenda. Now this will be fine if they would leave your body, but they choose not to. The problem with cancer is that these deviant cells still want to remain there. They don't go anywhere. They just want to be independent, begin to affect other things. Cancer cells still want blood. They still need to eat. They still want the oxygen so that they can grow. And not only do they want to grow, they also want to spread. And this is where we get the stages in cancer, stage one, stage two. When it gets to stage four, it begins to hit the bone marrows and it begins to spread throughout all of your body. So in other words, they want to siphon off the body, but they don't want to contribute to it. And ultimately, unless addressed radically, the whole body is in trouble. Because what they want are the benefits. Cancer exists in the church today too. There are cells of people that want the benefits of being in the body without the contributions. You heard me use a story about the breakfast of uh, bacon and eggs and how, you know, the, the pig tells, or the chicken tells the pig, it says, hey, let's help 
you know, make this breakfast and the pig says, well, for you, it's a contribution, but for me, I have to die. They want the sermons, they want the songs, they want the ministry, they want the benefits, but they don't want to contribute. They want all the things that the body is designed to give, but they don't want to be a part of the body. Just want to hang out. We need people who will help us contend for the supernatural. That will make up their mind, one mind, one accord, and beyond just getting better in a spirit of excellence, but saying, God, we will do our best, but we need you supernaturally. First Kings chapter 3, we're going to read the story about a man, a king, who is given this first opportunity to exercise his ministry and quickly realizes he needs supernatural wisdom. Verse 27 says, Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God, say with me, God. They looked at the king, they said, this is beyond his mind. That the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. The New English translation reads like this. As the king responded, give the first woman the living child, don't kill him, she is the mother. When all Israel heard about the judicial decision which the king had rendered, they respected the king for they realized that he possessed divine wisdom to make judicial decisions. Tonight, again, my challenge is that you will come together with your church, with your leaders, and say, I'm going to contend for the supernatural in, the, in our ministries. I'm going to preach a sermon that I've entitled Supernatural Involvement. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment you've given us. God, we need you. We need more of you each and every day. God, thank you, Lord, for all the leaders that you've given us, the men and women, God, that are willing to serve under these leaders, God. God, that are willing to take up the needs, God, practically filling these gaps. God, I pray that every person in this place, you will release, God, a dy dynamic, a supernatural dimension upon them, God, upon their words, upon their actions, God, as they commit themselves to seek you, God. God, I pray that you will do that for them, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said tonight, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is foolish ministry. What is ministry? The word ministry comes from a Greek word, which is diakono, which is where we get um, deacons from. It means to serve. It means to serve as a slave is the second word, which is duleo. And this is what ministry, for the most part, actually all the times in the New Testament, that word is translated to that. Ministry in the New Testament is seen as service to God and to other people in his name. This means that there's moments where you practically do things for people. If that's meeting a need, if that's just making things easier for them in church or facilitating um, some type of um, service to them or nursery, what they do is they serve in a manner where it makes, makes it easier for mothers, for fathers to come and listen to the word of God. That's ministry. They have made it easier for people to be able to sit in a service 
and listen to the words of God being preached. Jesus provided the pattern for Christian ministry. He selflessly served people out of love and, compa and com compassion. Not only did he serve in a way of him dying on the cross, we can speak about that. We can also speak about the signs and wonders when he touches the blind man, when he tells the paralytic to get up and walk. But he also served by washing the feet of his disciples. It was his overall selfless action towards others. The reality is if we want to serve the way Jesus served, we need him. We need his mind. We need his, his spirit in us. In our scripture, we see a moment in ministry where the required solution went beyond the heart for people and serving. Here we have King Solomon. King Solomon being a son of King David, we can call him a preacher's kid, a pastor's kid, grew up watching his dad make mistakes but also recover from them, grew up watching him um, serve people, grew up watching him being successful in, con in the conquest. There is no other greater conquest in the nation of Israel than under the King David. And we have these moments, Solomon, no doubt, walks in, steps into this with confidence, knowing that God had spoken to his father about that one day he will have a son who will take over the reign and there will be rest and that God will back him up. This is Solomon. He's going in there with confidence. But at this moment in time, Solomon needed more than just compassion. He needed more than just to be a nice guy to be socially acceptable. Ministry will bring these moments where nothing that comes from you will fix it. See, the reality is, is every person in this place, you have assets and you have deficits. This is including me, including every person. You have strengths, you have weaknesses. There are people here, you are very good at confrontation. You're very good at going and telling somebody what they need to fix. There's others, that's your downfall. When there is truth that needs to be applied or confronted, it's hard for you. There's different strengths. There's different weaknesses. Some are good with money. Some are not. Some are good with discipline. Some are not. And you can go on and on, assets and deficits. And one of the biggest blessings in ministry is having friends and brothers and sisters who can help you in those deficits, who can cover you in those weaknesses. Pastor Campbell speaks about blind spots, and he says it's a blessing to have men who help you in those blind spots, those moments that you just, that's just not, it's just not in you. You're working on it. Ministry will have those moments where anything, doesn't matter what kind of strengths you have, the solution is not in you. It comes from the divine. We can't be so narcissistic to think that the success in ministry solely comes from the knowledge that we acquire. The stuff that you read, the podcast that you listen to, the stuff that you, that you hear from other people, that's somewhere... Somehow, as long as you're the one talking, 
this thing, this ship is going to continue to float. It's just not the way it works. Solomon understood that even though he wasn't dumb, he needed God's involvement to lead people. Now, there is a sermon to preach about ministry when people are dumb. <laughs> we can preach about common sense. We can preach about the lack of knowledge. We can speak about the lack of learning. Some people, they just don't want to learn. They don't want to apply themselves. They don't want to read. They don't want to ask questions. But that's a whole different sermon. Solomon wasn't dumb. He just needed something beyond himself. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9 through 14 says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people. Every leader needs to pray that. Regardless of what kind of leadership you have, if it's pastoral, if it's, uh, if it's just regardless of what it is, you got to pray that. Give your servant, therefore, understanding, an understanding mind to govern your people. Says that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I have I give you wise a wise and discernment discerning mind. So then none like you has been before you. None like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked. Isn't God so good? He's like, I'll give you what you asked, and I'll give you some more bonus, right? I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. He aimed for heaven, and he got everything that everyone else was pursuing. It's an incredible picture. See, when you, when you engage in this rat race, trying to get all the riches and all the statues and, 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 and um, titles, you will miss out on God. But when you aim on God, many times you get those things also. Interesting enough, the first opportunity to test this wisdom was concerning people. That's ministry. Ministry will have to do with people. Don't make the mistake of thinking that one day when I get ministry, I, I'm going to run it this way, I'm going to do it this way, and I, I'm, I'm going to make things happen. Listen, the biggest revelation people get in ministry is people. You forget you have to do that with people. You forget that not everything is done by your hands, that at one point you're going to have to be able to have a friend in ministry. You're going to have to be able to delegate and be able to rally people together. It has to do with people. Some have been praying for wisdom and ministry and completely ignore the opportunities to serve people. Ministry will forever have to do with people. So let's talk about, secondly, the casualties of a ministry that lacks the supernatural. There are consequences when we attempt to operate in ministry without God. We can't use the idea of God making up of our shortcomings in ministry as a cop-out. There is truth in the idea that God gets involved, but that doesn't excuse us from our responsibility 
of being intentional and seeking him. You know, ministry has a lot to do with us and our character. We minister who we are, not who we wish we were or what we're trying to paint to other people. We minister who we are. Ministry is what we speak, but it is also what we decide not to speak. Pastor Campbell says ministry lives and dies in social intelligence. Social intelligence is being wise in relationships. When to listen, when to speak, what to say, what not to say. One of the things I've learned in ministry is when you speak to people, you're not just speaking to them. You're also speaking to their kids, their spouse, their in-laws. Many times I'll speak to pastors. I'm not just speaking to them. I'm speaking to their church. Uh, yesterday I was talking to, um, to a pastor. He was telling me something that he heard from a man. And it was funny because I told that man that in conference last year. So it just came around and <laughs> to, to me. It's ministry. See, if you're not careful, you'll speak things. And it might not necessarily affect that person, but it can go on to somebody else. When to listen, what to say, what not to say. It's understanding who you are. You know, in ministry, part of ministry is understanding who you are and who you are not. You're a brother, you're a sister, but you're not God. You're not the Holy Spirit, you're not their Messiah. You can't be, you can't be their Savior, but you can be there for them. The point of having the supernatural involvement in ministry is to help us to do what we can't do. There are certain things in ministry that we can't do. We can go down the list of all of our shortcomings, but let's just go through a few of them. One is we can't change people. Discipleship isn't changing people, but inspiring people to follow God. We can't save people. We lead people to God's saving grace. Scripture says without God, we are like the blind needed the blind. We need God to be able to save people. People are affected when we don't seek God's involvement supernaturally. Think about how bad this situation in our scripture could have gone for Solomon. Here it is. If you don't know the context of our text, what's happening is you have two mothers um, or two women, better said, um, fighting over a kid. Um, there's a baby and they come up to Solomon. One of them says, it's my baby. The other one says, it's my baby. And they're, they're going back and forth. And King Solomon has to make a decision on whose baby it is. Welcome to ministry. <laughs> I mean, it's like, who's the mother, right? And he's trying to figure this out. They're both saying the same thing. And in his wisdom that before he had asked God, give me divine wisdom. In his wisdom, he said, well, then let's just cut the baby in half. <laughs> then let's, just, let's just cut the baby in half and let's, let's, let's split them up. And one of them said, yeah, let's do that. I don't know if there was some money involved in there. I don't know if there was some parental rights that might have been split in half. But it was appealing to that person. But the real mother said, no, let her have them. That's fine. And then Solomon said, oh, okay, she's the mom. 
because she doesn't want the baby to die. So it was just wisdom. It was just, that's just being clever, being witty. It was something divine that came from God. And he's able to make that. Could you imagine if he didn't have that? What could have happened? I mean, you can go on and think the different things, and that's just that situation, but all the different situa situations that were presented to him after that. If Solomon was not a man who valued God's involvement, I wonder where that story would have gone. I ran into a quote that says, we, we impoverish God's ministry to us the moment we forget he's almighty. And the impoverishment is in us, not in him. Ministry begins to get real weird when you forget that God is God. I'm going to close quickly with my third point, and that is contend, contend for the supernatural in ministry. Remember the, in the beginning I said the whole point of this sermon is to get you to understand, God, we need you supernaturally. There's people here, you do things very well. You, th you do things, you, you've already figured out these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses. You can use me here. But if you want to use me here, I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm probably going to be horrible at that. So we know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. But what we need is we need supernatural ministry. And what that means is, God, that you will make up where I lack. God, that you will help me in those shortcomings, if that be social intelligence, if that be just a general term, which is if we need visitors to come and lock in, God, we need something supernatural some, something supernatural, something beyond just our intelligence, beyond what we can do, beyond the stuff that we can present. We will do our best in that. But God, we need you to help us with our shortcomings. I ran into the story that I, I appreciated. The story goes like this. There's a clever young guy. His name is somebody else. <laughs> There's nothing this guy can't do. He's busy from morning to way late at night just substituting for you. You're asked to do this or you've asked to do that, and what is your ready reply? Well, get somebody else to do that job. He'll do, he'll do it much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world, so much, and workers are few. Somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituted for you. As a matter of fact, there's people here today, you got somebody else working for you. The next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, my goodness, so can I. Stop giving somebody else your job. Become a servant and watch what God will do for you because he can also do it through you. You will discover, really, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What kind of servant are you? We should feel a desire as well as a responsibility to contend for the supernatural. It's not okay just to say, I'm not good at that. So I'm not going to do that. There's a lot of things we're not good at. There's a lot of things that we can't do. One of the things I've been, been telling my son Titus is you got to figure stuff out. So there's things you'll ask, and I want to figure that out. You know, think about it, use your brain. And there's times where those very things that we need to figure out, it just comes to the very same conclusion, God, I need you. You know what's, what makes a man a God? 
is somebody who can get a supernatural God involved in your life. Doesn't mean you wear a shirt and tie. Doesn't mean you come to church. It just simply simply means there is a manifestation of the power of God in your life. That when you pray, things happen. That when you speak to people, things happen. You're able to influence. You're able to open doors for people. You want to be you want to be an effective minister. It's going to go beyond just being able to meet practical needs. But can I get God involved for somebody else? The supernaturally, the supernatural, I'm sorry, is mainly manifested through spiritual gifts in the church. And there's people here today, again, you're good at things. But what I want you to think is, God, give me a supernatural gift. Give me something that you, that it came from you, it was divine. And it goes beyond just the natural that I have. Beyond just the arsenal of just my mind, the things that I can pull out of my pocket. God, give me a supernatural gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verses 4 and 11 speaks about the edification of the church and how it comes through this variety of gifts. Verse 4 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, I need you. We need each other to, be, to have these gifts. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's for the common good. You know, societies fall when we ignore the common good. When we forget about a brother, when we forget about our sister. Romans 12, 5 through 8 says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Say with me, let us use them. Have you been used supernaturally to help somebody else? I thank God for people who are resourceful. Maybe you're one of those EDC guys that always have a, they always have a knife. They always have jumper cables. They always have a light. They always have gum they always have you know they like you're like the macgyver of the church you know like you always got something thank you for that but can you do that in the spiritual realm think about that having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith if serving if service then in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These supernatural gifts 
are for the edification of the church. 1 Corinthians 14.3, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Can you make up your mind today? God, I need help supernaturally. Help me to build my brother, my sister, to be useful in my church supernaturally, spiritually. In other words, that there's always the expression of God's power through these gifts. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says they're to be coveted. This word cover means to lust. In other words, that somewhere our attitude should be, God, I want that, and I'll give up a lot to get that. Use me. Not only in wisdom, but in overall supernatural involvement of God. What this church needs tonight or needs more of is men and women who are able to bring the power of God and make it manifest in their physical life. I want you to understand that minor prophet Joel, the way he describes this spirit in the last days, Joel 2, 28 and 29, says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. This is something that we should be contending for. The word contend means to strive or to vie in contest or rivalry or against difficulties. It means to struggle. It means I will fight for this. Like a boxer fights for a belt, like an athlete fights for the trophy, so I will contend for the Spirit. To struggle to become who God wants you to be. Cities benefit when the church contends for the supernatural. Christianity is a religion of power. Apostle Paul says, I did not come in, 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 in eloquent words, but I came in power. No doubt you've heard me say this before. We're living in the last days. But I believe there should be more a desire that goes even beyond that. God, I just want to be used by you. Listen, church, it's time to contend for the supernatural. Some of you, you have spiritual gifts that God is trying to give you. He's looking at you, and he's got this, this gift that's ready. It's packaged. It's, it's about you asking, but you're playing games. You're all, you're distracted. You're in your comfort zone. Pray that God will manifest the supernatural in our church. That God will manifest the supernatural through you. Pray what Solomon prayed. God, give me understanding to govern your people. Give me this ability that's divine to be able to help others. I believe if we can all get that one mind, I believe God will do great and wonderful things, supernatural things, things that we'll look back and we can't even explain it. Because all we did was, God, I hunger for you. And I hunger for what you have for me. God, thank you for all that you've made me, but I want stuff that comes from you. I want the divine. I want supernatural. That's, 
That sounds like fun. Sounds like it's, it's beyond. This, this is where ministry begins to get real, real fun. It's when it goes beyond just what you can do. And you begin to experience all the supernatural grace and power of God. I want to challenge you today that you will say, God, help me in the supernatural. I will contend for that. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed. Every eye closed in respect to God. In respect to your neighbor. Quickly, you're here tonight. You're not saved. You're not right with God, but you want to be. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God, but today you're far from him. You know I want to give an opportunity to those not saved, backslidden. Every time, regardless of the crowd, you just never know where people's hearts are at. You just, you know that God can speak directly and tailor make his message for people. Quickly, you're not saved or backslidden. You want to respond to that call. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Amen. Very well. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to the church. I want to speak to Christians. Listen, tonight, my goal was very, very laser focused. I wanted to speak to the church mainly. That somewhere we need to be able to tie in this this work ethic, this desire to do things right. I'm always hammering the guy's details and make sure that things look right and things are good. And, and listen, there's a place for that, but can we tie that? Can we marry that with the supernatural? Where God is backing us up in the New Testament in the Gospels, it says, it says that Jesus accompanied them. He says he was with them and he made signs and wonders happen for them. That's the marrying. That a man or woman will be willing to stand up, raise his voice, preach. That the churches will come together and make things happen like we did the last two nights. All these details, all this practicality, all of these different logistics. We will come together, make it happen. And then God comes in and supernaturally infuses his power. That is what we need. We need men, we need women. Who will learn how to be able to bring God's power down to their life physically. And I want to challenge you that you will begin to pray, God help me to be a vessel for your power. Use me in those spiritual gifts. Let's all stand up to our feet. I want to encourage you to go to the altar. We're going to open up these altars as we sing this song.